Claire Solomon Neeson and Wendell Kornfeld. Welcome to Exit Strategy. I'm so pleased that you're on the podcast today. Thank you. We're thrilled to be here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you both because this is such a compelling issue in our society. And what we're talking about is solo aging and its implications for older adults, their quality of life, and end-of-life decision-making as well. Claire, you are a licensed master social worker and the manager of the Lasting Impression Program at DeRote here on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And the program designs solutions for older adults at risk of social isolation. And Wendell, you are an advocate for solo agers. You created Community as Family at Temple Emanuel here in New York City, which is one of our largest, most prominent reform congregations on the Upper East Side. And you created this as a self-advocacy group for congregants without adult children. And the model has grown to embrace those who anticipate aging solo due to choice or distance or circumstance. So now that I've given these glorious introductions about you both, let me provide just a little perspective. AARP says that 12% of the population age 50 and older live alone. Harvard University estimates that 27% of adults age 60 or over live alone, and they lack a greater family support structure as they age. Why do you think the greater society should be concerned? Claire. The phrase I would likely use instead of maybe concerned might be invested in empowering this population. All of our work with solo agers and with older adults at DeRote is really about empowerment and thinking about some of the words that you described in our introductions about tools and strategies and the support that we can provide to our community and that they can provide to each other. And that's the reason that we've really gathered all of our resources into the work and the course that we are calling Aging Alone Together, which I know we're excited to talk about with you. Wendell, how do you see solo agers taking control of their destinies? Anticipation is huge. I think we need to start thinking younger about the fact that chances are we will live a good long life. So you can start doing some research very informal things you can do anytime, like observing older people in your life, your parents or your grandparents, see what challenges and changes come around in their lives, what they are depending on their adult kids or family to do for them. Start noticing what are those changes and who's handling them well, who has a plan, who has support. You can mm -hmm. learn from the horrible examples as well as the good role models. Who did things wrong? What can we learn from that? So I think we need to think about being an older person by the time we're in our 40s and understand what changes are going to happen to us psychologically, financially, socially, physically. Just understand what it means to be older. And I think we need to do a better job in this country about ageism. Let's not assume that being older is a terrible thing by any means. When you created Community as Family, was there something that happened 
Two things. One is I read Gail Sheehy's second book about passages. She wrote a couple. The line that got me was, we need to be psychologically prepared to be living longer. Pre that book, the thinking in this country was always, you got to have the money to retire. Everything was about, can you afford to be an older person once you retire and, and what comes mm -hmm. after? The idea of being psychologically ready was so exhilarating. I started taking a course at Marymount College called The Psychology of Aging and learned over a couple of years what kind of things are likely to happen. I realized, oh my God, it's like going to a foreign country being old. You don't have the dictionary. You don't know what the acronyms are. You don't know who the players are. You don't have a roadmap. There's so much to learn. And my husband's a lot older than I am. And we noticed how much we and our siblings were doing for our parents. So I started thinking, who's going to do that for us? So that was in my early 40s. I took that course and I decided when I was able to retire, my new job was going to be learning how to be real good at being old. So Claire, how can we as a society or community offer support? What can we do in this process? I think most basically we can depend on each other as different types of allies, as resources. We can also look to the organizations in our community, like Community as Family and Temple Emmanuel, like Dorote, and places that we might not even really think about. Like if we go to the library, you know, we talk a lot about the different places that we meet people, our acquaintances, our different categories of people in our lives who are less and more intimate to us. And I think we can start thinking about where people are. Even, you know, conversing with our doctor, with the checkout clerk at the grocery store, with your hairdresser, with whom you likely have an intimate relationship, even for many people, their clergy. I think being able to begin to think about who is in our orbit and how they fit and how they add to our life in ways we might not even anticipate, reframing how we think about our relationships is a less daunting way to think about what our positionality is, how we think about ourselves in society. And through organizations like synagogues, also like DeRote, that intentionally create community, get just an added layer of how to think about who we are. You know, it's so interesting because what you're doing and what you're saying is that you're really empowering the ager, the solo ager, to take control of their community of care and advocacy. You're helping them really look at this broad spectrum of people in their lives and figure out how everybody can be a part of it. I think that's a wonderful way to frame it. And a lot of what we do is incubate and create opportunity for people, not only to connect with each other, but also to be connected to resources. We've created accountability buddies and, and partners and enabled people to say, oh, looks like you're my neighbor in Lincoln Towers. You want to take a walk? It's not even just that. It's that enables you to realize, oh, it's not just me here. There are many other people with whom I might not have been able to connect who care about me. Is that what Aging Alone Together, which is the program that DeRote started, is that what it looks like? Can you describe it a little bit more for me? In June 2021, just we're privileged to run a pilot program that was called Aging Solo, originally conceived by an organization in Washington, D.C. called Iona Senior Services. We called the program Aging Alone Together. Wendell was there from the beginning of it. It really exceeded our expectations. We had more than 80 participants in our first virtual 
cohort. Wow. So we've since offered this program more than 10 times, both for our broader Dorote community and also for members of specific faith communities and for LGBTQ plus identifying older adults. So it's a six week workshop that's offered in person or on Zoom. It's led by trained facilitators. And we provide participants, again, with tools, strategies, support to think about how to age intentionally and how to plan for the future. Each session offers a topic-specific presentation. So we talk about the size and scope of our social network, the depth of our support network, care planning, and housing. Those are really the main areas that we focus on. And it comes with a detailed workbook and toolkit and all of the necessary information and resources that we have gathered, but also that our community has gathered. We receive detailed follow-up emails with links. We watch videos. And after the program concludes, folks become part of a larger alumni network that we meet monthly now and then are given access to additional community education programs that are related to the topics covered. Many of the adaptations we've made in this program, it's been really wonderful work, particularly to see how people feel connected and feel as if they're voices are being heard and they're not alone. This program has three mantras. I'll get to that in a moment. It sounds to me like you've really been able to create community within this community. And that probably has resonated with so many people. It's one of my favorite sentences. So I think that that's true. (laughs) I think Wendell would say the same. Oh, yes. Yes. All right. So tell me, okay, give me the mantras. I'm ready for them now. Okay. So the first is it's never too early. It's not too late. And that means there's like not a magic time to plan that now is the best time. But Wendell has acknowledged that it is good to start planning early. I think the point there is that if you're here in this group, it's not too late. You've started. That's right. And everybody starts from a different place. And what that means looks and feels different for everybody. Yes. Mm -hmm. The second is you are not alone, which is what I was alluding to, that we keep hearing, right? I'm glad it's not just me. Because we take comfort in in knowing that there are others who don't have obvious people to help them as they age. And and here they are in the same place often. And the third is take charge of your aging or it will take charge of you. And it was coined by someone who took one of the first aging solo classes. And at first I was like, this is an ominous sentence. But I think it's that we don't really pretend that you can control everything, right? But there are many things that we can control. And that is how the workshop is designed. Those are the three mantras. How is DeRote elevating this program in the community to ensure that it grows? So we're really excited about growing the program and cultivating additional intentional communities and creating more programmatic opportunities for our solo agers. We have plans to work with new partners, additional community organizations and faith-based organizations, and to really codify our curriculum, specifically geared towards many of the areas around aging alone together. For example, many Mm -hmm. people say, well, now I want to meet with an attorney to know about powers of attorney or what happens in the hospital with your advanced directive. Um, And we've been able to bring in organizations like NILAG, an emergency room physician a few weeks ago to say, here, let me offer you my expertise and talk Mm -hmm. to you about what I've seen. Also, with those who work in the field of aging and of life planning arena like you, Stephanie, we're just trying to programmatically meet the needs of people as well as make sure that we're intentionally connecting them so that they can deepen their relationships. And I I think to learn more, you can always go to our website, which is derotusa.org. We'll include that. Don't you worry. Absolutely. 
And Wendell, let's talk about community as family. Mm -hmm. I want to know how this model came to be, mm -hmm. how you created it, and what it really looks like for the average user. It started at the very end of 2013, when I finally had stopped working full time. I realized I need a plan for the future for myself and my husband, either together or if one, only one survives at a certain point. What are we going to do without having adult kids? I came up with the idea that first I'm going to explore the demographics. I got some numbers, statistics. I knew this demographic was not small and it was going to grow. I needed a support system and I needed an educational system and I needed allies. So I started a series of five focus groups with different people. The icebreaker was, let's talk about the kind of things you did to support your parents or you and your siblings did. What did you do for them? What were their needs? Now let's talk about putting yourself in that age group. Do you have a feeling that you're going to have similar needs as your parents? If so, what's your plan since you're not going to have kids? If you don't think you're going to have similar needs, why is that? Is that magical thinking? So let's talk about that. And people just couldn't wait to tell stories. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmingly, they said, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I worry about this all the time. And it was great comfort to know you're not alone. As Claire has said, you're not alone. And I created some forms and some ideas it became a real passion of mine to do these focus groups. In 2014, Temple Emmanuel heard about it. I am a member there. And they said, bring it to us. And I said, absolutely. So we have been meeting monthly since December of 2014. It keeps growing and it's primarily an educational group. The side effect is that great relationships and friendships have come out of it. And I started dealing with interest from synagogues and churches and senior centers around the country. And the bottom line is we need to know more about what it means to be older people. And those truths are for everybody who's older. And then through the lens of being a solo ager, what else do we need? Because we can't assume someone is going to feel morally or ethically obligated to step up for us. What can we do about that? This enterprise has been incredibly rewarding. What I do is I set people up with a very short two-page guide, how to start a group. I give them ideas for icebreakers. I give them forms that I think they will find very useful. And I'm always available for a phone call, an email, or a Zoom uh, to keep that energy going so that people can start their own groups, whether it's just three or four neighbors together or if it's a big congregation or a big senior center. What a gift you have been to the congregational community as well, because you have really facilitated a way to support a community that needs support. On Facebook several years back, I saw on one of the forums for elder orphans, as they're called, that the forum was, I don't have a place in my church or my synagogue anymore. I don't have small children for the religious school. I don't want to be in the knitting group that they've kind of put me in. I don't have anybody to sit with at services. It's very different congregation from where I first started X years ago. And essentially what they were saying was they'd aged out 
of their beloved congregation. So this became really important to me. So when our senior rabbi, Rabbi Davidson, started some years ago and he came on board, I made an appointment with him and I said, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about what they want for their kids, and that's great. But I'm going to talk to you about what we need for older people. He was right on board, right from the beginning, very, very supportive. So we need to give recognition that people don't stop being valuable parts of their congregation. Bring them in, give them as many opportunities to keep participating and making it a strong place for all generations. No one should ever age out of the place that they consider their second home. You are so right. And I'm so happy that Rabbi Josh Davidson heard you. And I'm not surprised because he's that kind of person. But I will tell you that I've heard so many stories where congregations tend to focus on the youth and the young and all those people who were so involved for so many years, who made congregations what they are, as you said, aged out. And now, where am I and who am I in this community? You're right. There should be room for everyone. We want families to start going when the kids are young and making it a lifetime place of education and spiritual bomb and social, and it can be so many things. I want to give a lot of credit to Rabbi Amy Ehrlich. She often, if not almost always, sits in on these meetings that we have each month for Community as Family. And it's a real plus to have an engaged clergy person because they can think, what kind of opportunities can we keep providing here? You know, I tend to think more universally as the solo ager as part of New York City, part of America, part of the world. But bringing a clergy person in can bring so much extra to it. Having her as a partner has been a tremendous bonus. So Rabbi Amy is going to get two credits. <laughs> Temple Emmanuel is one of our synagogue partners at DeRote, and we just finished one cohort of Aging Alone together with three of our synagogue partners and plan on doing more in the future. And, and Rabbi Amy was a big part of the success and sort of the glue of this particular cohort. I just also want to say that I think having that added layer of meaning when we've been able to work with a synagogue, with any faith-based community or any organization that really intentionally brings people together that you already feel a part of, which feels powerful. And it's such an added Mm -hmm. layer of meaning. I do want to ask if there are any special considerations for a solo ager who is a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Are they facing other issues? So we've worked intentionally with members of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, We've partnered with SAGE Services and Advocacy for LGBTQ Elders, I think is SAGE's acronym. It's the country's largest and oldest organization dedicated to improving the lives of LGBTQ plus older adults, as well as with LGBTQ members of particular synagogues in, in our case. And I think for a variety of reasons, cultivating community is particularly important to, again, know that we are not alone, that we have chosen family. There are resources specifically for LGBTQ plus community members, such as providing community education around LGBTQ plus friendly housing for older adults. That just community education is really, really important. And we typically provide resources specific to the group with whom we are working and partner with organizations like SAGE. Very often people of that demographic have sometimes loosened family ties. They're anxious 
to have that community family. And there is a synagogue called CBST, which has its own solo aging group. I helped them set it up several years ago, working with their social worker, Judy Ribnick. It has taken off. They get great speakers. They have great resources. They have tremendous energy. They've done a spectacular job. I just want to give our listeners a few tips to take away. Resources, staying organized ahead of the paper game that is inevitably part of the solo aging trajectory. Please tell me any ideas that you have that people can take away. Every adult should have their life organized administratively. It just makes life easier. Certainly makes life easier if you have to either temporarily turn the workings of your life over to someone to help you, like if you're in the hospital or rehab. And certainly after you die, you want to make sure that the executive job is not a nightmare. There is countless number of organizing tools on the internet of how to organize the documents of your life and the procedures of your life. So the paper game, as you call it, everybody's got that. And I have designed a few forms of my own that work for me, and I have shared that with many, many people. One is how to create your own medical history. I've designed something called the household handbook, which is how everything in your life works. The biggest challenge though for solo agers, as you can imagine, is okay, I've done this great job of putting all this stuff together. To whom can I entrust it? That is really tough, especially for power of attorney, because turning over access to passwords and bank accounts, that takes not just a huge leap of faith in someone that they can be trusted and will do it. Somebody could love you dearly, but they're terrible managing their own affairs. That's not the person. That's why the community building, the team building, becomes more and more important because you need people who care what happens to you and are willing to step up to take on that responsibility. One thing to remember is to try to take things in small chunks, right? That not everything has to be done in a grand way, big at one time. And much of what we talk about in Aging Alone Together is practicing and thinking about what we did not coin, what is the Kaizen method of yeah. doing really small things that contribute to the creation and completion of the larger things. I think our workbook also provides several structured opportunities for reflection and for organizing like a solo aging planner, similar to the wonderful documents that Wendell has created that help create organization. But as a broader framework, just thinking about how we can do this to still feel like our best selves is really, really important. And we need cheerleaders. Yes, exactly. And I'm hoping that this podcast will promote the importance of connecting and knowing that there are options out there Wendell Kornfeld and Claire Solomon Neeson, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me today and sharing your expertise and what you've learned through this process. I know that people will greatly appreciate the information, so thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you very much for having us. As the host of Exit Strategy, I thank you for tuning in to what I hope was an informative and illuminating conversation. I urge you to visit our show notes and there's an email listed there. So if you have any questions, send them my way. 
In the meantime, please share this episode with anyone you know who may be interested and subscribe to Exit Strategy. Wherever you listen to your podcasts each month, we'll renew our conversation with another topic. And I'm really happy you're along for the ride. I'm Stephanie Gary, and this is Exit Strategy. Exit Strategy.